I don't know. Do they even work? Do those blue light glasses? I don't work? know. I'm doing like a super long test. You're just like having so to, I'm like, like getting forcing... used to them over months and months, <laughs> and then I'll just like eliminate them one day. Okay, and see if say, it works. I thought you were just forcing yourself to play video games for hours at a time. Oh no! <laughs> like, no. I'm, I'm testing them, quote unquote. <laughs> Trust me, it's for no. science. No, I've I've been wearing like glare, glare blocking to some extent glasses like they're not the blue light glass oh. maybe they are wait, yeah these me, are me, these me, are the blue light glasses let me look at these bad boys oh they're beautiful i don't know it's hard to say yeah i have a pair because my eyes are sensitive but i don't use them very often i don't know if <laughs> i can't tell you i don't know why i just tried to put them on like i could tell or something <laughs> tell um, if, the, if you like yeah see, like you see, just can't see the color blue yeah, anymore. Like, <laughs> i don't see any blue anymore that would be wild yeah, but uh, yeah. we'll we'll see if they work or maybe they basically have no effect. But uh, it's gonna be. I feel like I'm not ready for that day yet. You're yeah. not ready for the day, but technically, aren't you like constantly not using them like now and then? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, there's flaws in your plan. You're right. Oh, um. Welcome. Right. <laughs> yeah, welcome indeed. Um, if we haven't welcomed you enough already with our talk of. Blue light glasses. Blue light glasses. <laughs> Listen in two weeks to see if blue light glasses actually work. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a whole science. Like we're gonna have like a lab set down. up and everything. We're gonna like test it somehow. We're gonna shine a rainbow through it and see if blue light comes out the <laughs> other end. <laughs> is is it just me or is optics like one of the more boring sides of physics class? It depends on what you're directly meaning by optics because some just of it's like all neat. of it was pretty boring except for the like the lenses and mirrors that See, was like okay okay um but lasers and lasers stuff, aren't boring i thought they're oh boring. my goodness light isn't boring i don't know what <laughs> <laughs> i i cannot understand that that's like bizarre and wild and cool things like don't tell me a laser isn't cool at least well i get the concept is cool but when you learn about it in like your class is it that's interesting it's like there's so much time on stuff and like it's the general concept of a laser is cool learning all about like lasers are used for this and for this and for this like that's not as cool to me oh okay i guess that makes more sense because i was gonna say there's no way All, all of this aside today's topic is what, what are we going to call it? Like, Warriors Through the Ages or something like that? Yes. I was, like, seeing if we could do something for, like, Special Forces of the World. But no, because that's more modern. I say Special Forces, but not, like, limited to what we think of as Special Forces today. Uh, let me think. Um, Just, like, Great Fighters. Yeah, there's... Oh. Great, greatest Warriors, except I think that's, like, that one game. <laughs> Wait, isn't that like a a YouTube channel or something where they it's like they simulate the strengths and weaknesses of different fighters? That is, it's not a YouTube. It is a show. Oh, it's a show. But I, I think it's called Greatest Warrior or I th- I th- something yeah. like that. It, it's an interesting show. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, if you're wondering about something, you can just like look it up, and they probably have an episode about <laughs> your favorite head-to-head of people like uh different warrior classes throughout history yeah so that's basically what we're going to be talking about 
And I... Are we going to fight the dudes against each other? <laughs> That'd uh, we be wild. Can, we can if we want to. <laughs> I don't know if it would work necessarily with my guys, but we... we could, actually, no, if we... if Honestly... I we could make it work. We could we could hypothesize about that at the yes. end. Just just uh, kind of play gonna around. Be, with that's it. gonna be the wild part. They stick around until then if you really wanna hear something not normal. <laughs> <laughs> very, I'm very good with my words. <laughs> All right, I I have three different, um, three different people. You can hear my. How favorite. many? How many? Do you I have? planned on having. Whoa, that's. I planned on having like eight, but I didn't end up getting to all eight, so it's more gonna be like five, maybe. Five. Okay. But like a few of them, I had way more research, and a few of them, I had like none. So it's gonna be different. Same. Same. It's a very varying degrees of success. Well, since you have more, you should right, probably yeah, I'll start. I'll start. So, uh, as you may know, if you listen, or if not, and you happen to hear this, I am the. Middle, middle, medieval time period lover. I do appreciate that age. So, for the first warrior I have up is the samurai. These guys are like iconic. They come from Japan. I'm gonna make sure that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they come from Japan and they are essentially the almost equivalent of a knight of like medieval Europe. You think of, but definitely not because if some if they don't have like the exact same morals. Yeah, it's it's a lot it's a lot different. So Japan's culture is obviously different than over here in the West. I gotta get my <laughs> get my even compass though right. if you go from Japan, it, we might be to the east. east yeah, but <laughs> if, if we're in America, if you're in but America, we everything West, right? is based on America. Yeah, it's the West. <laughs> yeah, so so Asia is gonna be the West. And where wait, we Asia are is the east, and we're wait, never, yeah, 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 never mind. <laughs> you got what I was talking about, but technically, you just keep spinning. So, but they they're different from knights to oh yeah, they're different from knights, and they they're more specialized and more trained. So basically, the samurai follow the follow kind of this kind of loose but kind of strict code called the bushido. And it's, so the word bushi just literally means warrior. Okay. <laughs> I, may, I may be getting some of these facts wrong, just to let you know, I'm no uh, expert on any of this. But te so technically, if you say bushido, you're kind of just referencing like a warrior, I believe, in kind of a loose sense. So that that's that. And then samurai kind of, developed into its into the, its name for those warriors over time and this is a, like a pretty strict I, I say strict and loose and I'll explain it but it's a strict code of basically things to follow it's kind of like a code of honor it it's bears very vaguely similar re resemblance to like what you'd think of as chival chivalry but it's really I'd say stricter than that where the warriors would so the samurai would more highly adhere to it but why i say it's loose because obviously they're they're all humans so they're not gonna all follow this code of honor to the nth degree and then all be like perfect samurai quote unquote yeah so, weren't there a lot of like rogue samurai that yes. just went on killing sprees basically yeah yeah so we'll get into that but I'll, I'll break down their weapons and their training real quick so the samurai 
normally carry around or could they normally trained in four or five ish depending on how you consider it weapons you have the sword which is the iconic katana and then there's I think the katana is the either the middle length or the longer length of the sword or or just is sword in general but they have two lengths they always carry two swords or normally carry two swords with them one a longer sword and one a shorter sword um there's so there's the sword there's the spear so you could have more of like a spear of nowadays you'd think or a nagata which or naganata <laughs> i think it's naganata which is like a spear with a machete on the end of it basically it's kind of wonky looking oh, like i really like a knife yeah yeah like on the end of like the, the stick. Ed, yeah it's more like a it's pretty wild looking you the bow which i think is called yumi like a super long bow it's like 7 feet tall that is and super you, long you, bow. yeah yeah and you're going to say how do they but how do they fire it especially they, the like, lower tilt stature it sideways no it's the knock point is Lower, oh, low. so you have like even more above you. When so you, you don't hold it right at the middle. Yeah, you hold it. So that low. that's why it's so long. And they say huh. those are pretty accurate. So that's three. Uh, well, well, it depends on how yeah, many so sword, swords as. Right? So just sword, sword, spear, bow. They trained in like some hand-to-hand combat or a lot. I'll get into why I said some are a lot. And then later in the progression, because. The war, basically later in the warring states or even in the peacetime of Japan's history, they added the musket because they were getting introduced. So that's like on the fringe of not really truly a weapon they'd normally choose. Uh, and that's pretty much the main arsenal you'd see a samurai could possibly wield. How they train is... So normally samurai, you can't be a samurai... Well, it depends on the time period. <laughs> so during the warring states, which was when there was no peace, there's just like a lot of fighting. So let's let's start there. This is before the next time period, which I'll talk about. But the warring states, um, normally samurai are from noble houses. So like you have to have kind of a, it's like a rank previously, and then you can get into training schools, which I'm going to try to pronounce what they're called. They're ryus or ryus. They're training schools for young samurai to train and become samurai. Um, like I said, normally the like nobleman's family or sons would go and train there. Um, there's so when they're war at war, you could become a samurai if you're not a noble by being like basically a foot soldier and then kind of working your way up and then going into kind of merging your way into the samurai class because it was actually a class of like in a class system I, honestly the samurai were pretty high up so were they part of the m- normal military i wasn't sure how japan worked at the time um yeah they were they were like your they were basically like your elite soldiers so in the warring states period you had um a baseline so each like clan or house would have their I guess, let's just say castle. I, I'm i going to muddle a lot yeah, of these yeah. facts, especially because I didn't do great, like, research is met and time is met. But you'd have, say, if it was a smaller house or clan, you'd have, like, 50 samurai on staff. And then if you ended up going to war, you'd, like, conscript soldiers, basically. So the samurai obviously were way more heavily armored and way better trained. So they're, like, your elite fighters and the weird thing is some of the 
way they fought wars is more like a one-on-one style like in the battlefield like you're basically dueling to some extent like I said it depends on the period so like if you were a samurai you'd go out and you'd like state your name and then you'd kind of try to find somebody of similar status to fight <laughs> in a very broad sense of How course this is a battle organized. well it's kind of like that but like when the mongols invaded and stuff they realized like oh man this doesn't they're like because they didn't care about that so they just went and did a whole bunch of stuff so they, they it kind of differed but so it's kind of like that um so th- they're not they're they're like higher ranked officers i guess and you could move up through the ranks um the high like i don't know the names but the highest samurai is basically a daimyo which is basically a general but later after the warring states period when it's the i don't know what it's called but it was like a peaceful time the daimyo one of the head daimyos just became like a general not ruler so like he was the ruler but he was also a general mm-hmm. like a military leader because they kind of dethroned the emperor but that's a lot of <laughs> backstory um in these schools which i talked about a little bit they learned a bunch of swordsmanship spearmanship swimming because there's a lot of water in japan like uh through ways with lakes or streams and rivers that's what i meant yeah so they had to learn swimming and especially in armor which was very heavy uh archery musketry kind of and horseback riding because they were on they rode horses in some unarmed combat um normally they'd go to like one basic school and then if they wanted to go to a different school they could like to advance in a certain say um they wanted to get better at archery they could go to a different school and learn and like advance themselves into their archery and normally like all the schools would have like a like kind of like a f- style that they would teach and like they'd kind of swear them to secrecy so you, when you're fighting against other people you have like the upper hand kind of and the other schools may not know of this so that's kind of cool uh the armor they use is obviously different looking and i'm sure you've seen pictures of samurai army armor but it is specialized it's special because it is was designed for protection and also mobility in mind so it's basically like leather with like all the plates that they wear is like leather with uh, metal studs and like linen like not linen but a different good fabric like almost woven into it so it's basically just as good as a plate armor but i think it was a little lighter plus where where they were set on the person was a lot of it provided a lot of mobility unlike some plate armors which did not really yeah um that's kind of a brief and <laughs> very fast overview for <laughs> samurai any questions i guess uh, i know it's kind of just i don't i don't think so i mean i i have done a little bit of research of samurai myself mm-hmm. in the past and i didn't know about the armor in specific mm-hmm. like I, I did. I thought when I was envisioning samurai armor, I was just envisioning like standard plate armor, but I guess yeah, it, it's a little more like customized, basically. Oh, also, you were saying how there was some bad samurai, quote unquote, or bad samurai. Um, if this, so normally the samurai train also under kind of like a master, and then if their master, they can obviously move on if they want to, because. Otherwise, you're going to be, like, stuck under them forever. But if their master dies, they're called a ronin, which is basically, like, a drifting samurai. 
who doesn't have a boss in the broadest sense. Oh, that's interesting. And the reason that samurai also are kind of could be this is kind of similar with knights as they could be um, rogue or go bad easily is because back in the day they held so much more power than the peasants and all the citizens so like if you're walking through town and somebody offends you you basically have the right to kill them on the spot yeah so that's kind of the stories I've heard yeah and that's the same with all the knights and stuff basically so that's where you get that from yeah so that was basically samurai I, I did miss and gloss over a few things but yeah pretty cool they're pretty those are pretty intense let's just put it that way yeah (laughs) all right i'll i'll go and start my first one i don't have uh, a ton of research behind this one but i did come across them in the research i was doing for one of the others probably spartans um and I, i thought i i should include them just they probably wouldn't be considered as noble as some of the other uh, warriors we're going to talk about, or even as the samurai, probably. I don't know. Maybe they're probably more noble than a rogue samurai that Jeff <laughs> was talking about, but that's about it. Um, so it's the Maori from uh, New Zealand, and I'll just start off by saying the Maori have influenced the culture of New Zealand uh, a lot like you even see like the their traditional dance like the the haka that they do before going out to battle or whatever you see that in like I think it's rugby games and soccer games or or maybe it's just soccer games or should I say football (laughs) but (laughs) but you see like the teams from New Zealand still do like a haka and like they're going out to war, which is pretty pretty dope. That yeah. So I've never heard of these, these this. Um, You've got to watch the video of the hawk. I, get to, I <laughs> will. It's I, wild. I will have to. But um, are these like, kind of like what we? Is this kind of group of people or the warriors kind of like what we'd associate with like, uh, Indian over in America? Yes. Same okay. same time period. Okay. So okay. That's what I was imagining, but I couldn't say so for sure. Yeah. Um. I think they were first um, discovered, quote-unquote, by uh, somebody from Europe. Um, It was Captain Cook. He landed on New Zealand. Like, he he was in the days when he was sailing all over the world and finding all the islands that we know today. If there's an island in the oceans, good chance Captain Cook was one of the first people to to land there. (laughs) Um, But he, he landed there, and there's an interesting story i don't know if this was the main island of new zealand or like one of the smaller kind of things around there but the, basically there was a co- a little bit of a conflict between his crew and the maori and basically the maori are they use like little short clubs that are really hard they're made out of like i think it's jade or bone or something depending on who you are maybe if you're poor it would be made out of wood but it's just like a little club and they would aim to try to hit you in the temple with the club and just kill you immediately with it. So that's kind of their main weapon. Well, that's pretty intense. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't see that they used any other weapons other than like pure intimidation. <laughs> um, which they, they like uh, kept their enemies' heads. So 
Did it, they like wear them on like their belt or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. crazy. So and they they like decorated with their enemies' heads and there you, you can read some of like the the quotes and stuff about that but <laughs> some some of those are interesting but um coming back to the story of captain cook um basically there was a conflict between his crew and the local maori because i mean it just makes sense the maori are not familiar with these people <laughs> and they're just landing on their island <laughs> who are these strange invaders yeah and so the first conflict like people died on both sides i don't know if this was he came up with a plan i don't know if this was during the first conflict or like a second time like after things had cooled down and then they went into another conflict but basically what he did is he had his men try to take some of them alive so they took, I think it was two of them alive and captured them. And then they took them back to the ship and just treated them really nice and then just let them go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the then, way to do it. <laughs> like, you, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, I guess. And mm. it, I, I guess it kind of worked to some extent. I'm not sure if they became, like, great buds or anything, but it They're like, cooled oh. the tensions <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and Cook was moving on anyways, like he always was. But... Yeah, I think that's that's it for the the Maori. Oh, I should mention also they had like they were, they had a very distinct look because they have like the the skulls decorating their bodies and whatever like I'd already mentioned, and they also had tattoos on their faces and the tattoos look really cool actually. They're like spirals. Um, oh okay. They look pretty cool. Did you come across pictures of these? I did. Because I wanna, I'm interested to see what they look like. I mean, you don't have to do it right now, but at some point, because like I said, I, I've never even heard of these guys, these lads. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can look into them. They're they're pretty cool. But the the facial tattoos, I guess that paired with the haka and the skulls just add the intimidation factor and just ramp everything right up. Yeah. So I bet. Holy cow. <clears throat> that right. was their speciality. Hey, I'll go on to one. I'm, I didn't um, have a lot of good information on this, but I talked about uh, the Roman Empire a little bit on one of our previous episodes. I don't remember which one it was or why, but um, I'm the next one is Roman centurions. So they, so these warriors are good, um, but when I look into looked into them, they weren't. They aren't like the legends that I guess I thought they might have been. I mean. Oh, really? Yeah, so basically, uh, I, I won't get too much into it, but the Roman Empire had a pretty unique and cool system to get um, armies, basically, because the, obviously the Roman Empire was so large spread that, one, it was difficult to get armies from, like, it wasn't difficult, but it's risky to get armies from conscript or lands that you took over, especially recently. Yeah. And two, <laughs> You have to keep such a large army to keep everyone in check, and along with that, you don't want them to rebel against the emperor because then you're in trouble because you you have such a large army, especially if they're all from all over the world. So if you want to do look into Roman centurions, definitely look into how they um, actually manage the army and military because that's pretty cool. I'm not going to touch a whole lot about on that right now. But it is a neat system of how they kind of did it. But Roman centurions, as the name centurion suggests, if you know a little bit, um, they are commanders of legions, which is normally 
a large quantity of troops. It, sometimes it varies from 100 to a lot more. So they're basically like the commanders or lower tier generals. I know I'm not good at saying good ranks. <clears throat> but they, they were um, tasked with basically um, managing their group um, as well as they could. And they also were responsible for disciplining the soldiers. So, like, if you're at a fort and some soldiers didn't do well on a certain job or whatever, or you weren't, they weren't that proper, you you were the person responsible for them, basically, in in the sense of you had to deal with it. And that's kind of in the system of um, not having too much animosity towards the actual empire emperor because it's just like only towards your legionnaire or your centurion commander so that that's a little bit of sneak peek into that system but they they can start from a normal soldier and basically just work their way up through the ranks a lot of these um or some of these warriors are are um got there by like time spent and obviously if you're good in battle but you can work your way up to the ranks to become them you normally would serve under another centurion i don't remember the actual name i didn't write it down but yeah so you do have you'd obviously have to have a lot of fighting experience or training at least um there were instances of really heroic roman centurions but there's like two that stand out but other than that they're like your basic generals so they're they're good and they're they're legit and intense, but they're not like some mythicized legend like sometimes you think. So that that's all I'll say for those guys. Weren't they also trained to be able to fight six people at once? Yeah, hand I, to hand. Yeah, they were. They yes, they were trained like that. That was one of the most impressive yeah. things to me about the the Romans is they stressed hand to hand fighting mm -hmm. that much that you were if you were high enough up you trained in order to be able to fight six people hand to hand mm -hmm. it is interesting that they chose that to specialize in i guess yeah i'm not sure why i mean obviously hand to hand fighting is a very useful skill for many any, any battle like before there were long range battles like with guns and stuff <laughs> yeah. and then it became a little less useful but i mean still the special forces are trained a lot in hand-to-hand -hand because a lot of the fighting that they have to do is in close quarters like in buildings and whatever yeah all right next next one is going to be most not most likely but practically the pinnacle of what you think of as your uh crazy warrior person <laughs> i'm great at words but we're gonna talk about the spartans so I'll, I'll bring up an interesting fact about them a little bit later into the, when we talk about them. But this was like the essence of warrior culture. These guys were crazy. They lived to fight. Um, I'll share this fun little detail. Literally, the Spartans were outlawed. It was illegal for them to do anything but become a soldier. Really? Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the yes. all of them had to. Yes. Yeah, so so if you're if you're a guy, you're a soldier. Like you can't do any other occupation. You might be wondering. <laughs> you do a little something on the side, but you're a soldier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're wondering how does that work? Like society would just die for the Spartans, but they use slavery and like like if if you're not a slave, but the Spartans took over your place, 
um, kind of like in the middle ground between a slave and like an occupier, like you're the one who does all the other stuff. Uh, of course, also the Spartan woman did a lot, which I'll get into a little bit back in the day, obviously middle ages time period. I got, I should just write a time period down <laughs> for <laughs> all general purposes. Cause I'm always going to go back to this period. <laughs> um, the women of Sparta, Sparta were like the most free quote unquote that you could get like un not oppressed but unbound to just s- maybe silly things or yeah stuff they like did that. they had a lot more individual rights yes, than any other people at the time mm-hmm. so I I know you did do some research about Spartans so I I'll let you I'll I let you did. take a little bit and then I'll take a little bit and I, I was trying to with each of my with each of my warriors that I chose, I was trying to separate, like, tangible training from intangible training. So, like, tangible would be, like, your weapons training, mm-hmm. what skills you're learning, and then intangible like would mental? be, yeah, mental training, like, the Maori. Preparedness. The intimidation. Ah, uh, yeah. What skills, like, knowledge, and stuff like that. Like, general philosophy and fighting. But the Spartans, it's... It's harder to separate that because, like Jeff said, this is so ingrained into everything they did is fighting. So it's hard to separate the, like the the mo- mental stuff from their training yeah. because all of their training contained that. For a quick reference, I'm just gonna butt in, but um, the somebody somebody was saying that. For Spartans, when they went on war, it was like their vacation and break. Like, that's how <laughs> much and how intense their training was. So it was like a nice little, like, ah, finally some downtime. Plus, they loved battling in war. So that's like reference of what he's kind of referring to. Yeah. Uh, nice uh, nice <laughs> 30-mile march yeah, for yeah. a day easy, off, you know. <laughs> yeah, easy, easy peasy. Um, but, yeah, so some of, the, some of the training they did, they started training around age 7, possibly even younger just because it's so ingrained in the in the society as a whole like i think they went to like a little bit of schooling but then by age like 12 at least they were yeah like, already basically mm-hmm. only training yeah for like war. At, up until seven it was like the woman of the house did like basic almost like homeschool learning of whatever small the basics things, like speaking but i mean you don't really teach speaking yeah (laughs) i guess not but probably writing too um let's see um so they started started training very very early um some of their training included um like cold weather training they would wear like thinner clothing than the elements would dictate and I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of training for cold just because it's such a useful skill. If you're the one out there who's prepared for the cold and your enemy isn't, that's going to put you at an extreme edge in certain situations. Like just like if you have hands that are used to the cold and you you are prepared for that and your enemy's hands are all stiff and everything, you can see how just that little detail is going to swing the battle just that much. Or the sword. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, pu- no pun intended, right? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah, they do, like, training in their, in their bare feet a lot of the times just to train, like, the, 
what is it called like but the proprioception that's not quite the right word but the just how your feet interact with the ground like footwork i guess is a simple way to say it like when you're uh, not tactical but tactile tactile yeah (laughs) feeling like the actually doing something instead of imagining it i guess yeah when you're in bare feet you have just that little bit more control over where you're stepping in your balance and whatever and and it and it kind of helped a little bit with conditioning like caleb was saying it was like both of them yeah especially yep Mm -hmm. um and one training I i found very interesting is they would go down to like around a body of water and they would pull out like reeds like i don't know if they were cattails or some other kind of water reeds and they just pull them out with their hands until their hands were all beat and bloody basically and it was to improve their grip strength as well as just like forearm strength and and just toughen up their hands in general so i guess it's it's training you to be strong as a warrior physically but it's also a huge mental thing to just be out in the cold next to the water pulling up reeds for hours intense training that's weeding also yes <laughs> yeah yeah that's really cool um I'll, I'll get into some of their um kind of tactical view on warfare and what they did so the spartans normally used short swords and this was to kind of like get close to their enemy um, there's a saying, uh, actually there's, it's, um, written down and it's like actual, an actual old document that's sayings of Spartan woman. So if you want to look that up, it's good. Oh, I've but heard of that. There's a lot of funny sayings in there, but one of there's the, some good ones. yeah, one of the ones was the Spartan boy says to his mother, the, my sword is too short. And the mother says back, well then just step a little closer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Another saying, kind of going along with the warrior culture is, so they'd all have um, a shield, so this was part of their loadout, and the mother would say, either come back on the shield or with the shield. With it or on it. Yeah, Yeah. with it or on it, yeah. Yeah. So that's basically like, like if, um, because normally if you're going to retreat, the first thing you do is drop your heavier items, which would entail a shield, so that... And the um, wind resistance on, like, a shit yeah. <laughs> Trying to run with that. Yeah, so that um, is the kind of the reason that saying exists, which is pretty crazy. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of their gear was the short sword, the big roundish shield with the L, but that looked like an A or a V. I think it's a V in the letter. Uh, I, I'm but, not familiar. But whatever letter it is, either the A or the L or the V, it actually was the letter for L, which was the place, the capital, which was, or this town? I don't, I guess I didn't really get that right, but it was Lesodina? Lacania? Lesodina? Lesodina? I'm sorry, with all the names. I've heard of it before, Mm -hmm. yeah, but I didn't know that was the capital of Sparta. That's interesting. I'm pretty sure, or like, that's where they hailed from most of the time. So they'd have the shield, the sword, um, they'd also have carry spears or javelins um they were basically called hoplites and i'll get into why that is um but they would also wear like basic normal armor that you could imagine also on them but 
their key tactical attribute was that they did the phalanx phalanx um, f- formation, which is super famous, is where they're all super tight and close, and because of their shields, <clears throat> each shield protects the left of the next one, or the right, the right yeah, the right yeah. of the next one. So, like, just by yourself with the shield, your left is open, but your your left is covered over the shield a lot, but your right isn't because your weapon. But if you're in a bunch of guys tight together with a bunch of shields, you're basically covering for your next buddy. And this was a very good strategy, and other places used it, but the reason Spartans um, were so effective with it is because they practiced from age 7 basically and they had also this sense of camaraderie and community so they were really tight-knit group and close and that was kind of key to this formation because one of the problems is it's slow and kind of clunky because you're basically also you're also kind of like pushing the people in front of you especially when you do like a charge into the line to kind of support them so you like you have the whole weight of a whole bunch of people against you to push you into the end or the opposing line force and also one of the problems with these formations is that they would drift to the right because you wanted to be covered by your buddy's shield Uh. so then you'd end up slowly drifting to the right if you weren't trained very well or if you weren't very organized well so the phalanx is very effective for the spartans because they were trained so much with it that they could use it like at any in almost any circumstance whereas uh semi uh like a more ragtag or a not super trained group would struggle keeping this tight formation yeah the unity is yeah key. basically it's really strong unless it's there's um unless the people in it get like any sort of weakness then it's really weak it's kind of funny yeah um you see that in like um the story Arnold Winkelried. Um, this is later in history, but basically, they're fighting. I think it's the Austrians fighting the Germans, or maybe the other way around, or something. But basically, this there's this this shield wall, and they're in all the people with the shields also have the spears. And in order to break up the shield wall, one guy, like the hero, he comes in and grabs like. A bunch of the enemy spears and takes a bunch of spears to break up the line and that's what won them the battle so he kind of went down in history for that i see yeah that, that totally makes sense like once you break the yeah, line yeah, yeah. it's really effective unless uh it's not kind of weird <laughs> situation yeah so you have anything you want to hit for spartans um I know there's some other things we didn't take I'll, I'll go a little bit into a little bit more into like personal stuff like like you were saying the women were a lot more respected than in other places at at this time they probably had they could own property which is unheard of in a lot of the world at this time um we're talking ancient greece or semi-ancient greece i assume um so and they were also very respected and a lot of the women also were trained to at least some extent in fighting so they said they said they'd uh wrestle a lot like wrestle each other and stuff yeah just uh and they also said they wore um more scantily clothes like they weren't in full dresses and stuff nothing clumsy and yeah that would get in the way yeah 
Um, and also, uh, on a on a more brutal note, they they practiced <laughs> a lot of like infanticide. Oh. So if you if there was a child that was born with any sort of apparent weakness, then they were just abandoned out in the wilderness. Which I guess their philosophy was that they're going for the utmost strength in every individual and they didn't want to waste resources which i mean that goes back to some of the debates we had before about euthanasia and yeah whatever but yeah that was that was uh, their culture at the time so all right yeah so i'll just wrap things up one of the cool things that i said i'd mentioned that i almost forgot is the fact that these spartans were so um worry uh what is it <sighs> Heroicized, not heroicized, but like, um, legendized. What is that term? <laughs> Mythicized. Mythicized. <laughs> we have the like, size. I don't know. In our minds they they went they, you know. in, um, they got such a reputation that it kind of preceded them. And that was really to their advantage. Like, not that they weren't crazy good warriors because they were, but like the fact that, uh, like the movie 300, which it actually was, would be 301 I haven't people. seen that. I, I haven't either, but I did hear a lot of, and see a lot about it in the research because it's, like, pretty accurate representation, more more or less. Not not great, but it was accurate enough. But they were so... Their reputation preceded them so much where it was way to their advantage that that's, like, part of the reason we're talking about them right now as the warrior, <laughs> like, the, the pinnacle of what you'd think of as, like, a crazy warrior people. Yeah, I mean, everyone's heard of the Spartans, yeah. unless you're living under a rock. Like, yeah. they're a part of our modern culture, yeah. even. Yeah, and that actually helped them out a lot. And once, like, the Spartans did win a lot, they had actually, um, they were like, now what? Because, like, they're done fighting, <laughs> like, they conquered all that they could, and they're just like, well, this is boring. Uh, so, Go back and train some more. Yeah, yeah basically. So, um, that's, that's all I'll have to say for Spartans. Fun fact, they actually had two kings. I'll leave it at that. At the same time? Yep, at the same time. <laughs> uh, pretty wild. Two yeah. kings in one kingdom? That's... Yeah. That would be an interesting podcast topic right. in itself. <laughs> yeah. All right, next next um, people we're gonna I'm going to talk about is getting a little more recent. This is the most recent uh, special forces intense warrior people that I have researched. It is Robert Rogers Royal Rangers. And boy, is that a mouthful <laughs> to say. R, R, R. Yes. Um, so these guys, or Robert Robert Rogers was the originator of the Royal Rangers. Um, they were around in, during the French and Indian War. I don't have time periods, but you know that's kind of the vague time when that was, um, if you don't look it up. These these guys, the, so during the French and Indian War, you're having kind of cold weather conflicts and a lot of back and forth um, little spats between Indians and French, and it's against the British. Um, so, and the British weren't the best at this kind of warfare, let's just say, <laughs> at the time Poor at least. British. They just weren't prepared for stuff over on this side of the globe. Yeah, as, as fighting styles and stuff. But Robert, Roger, definitely... Um, kind of changed the not not formula but he kind of set almost the standard of good tactics in general for nowadays and it's traced back a lot of their a lot of modern special forces trace back to robert rogers royal rangers because of like the way he revolutionized combat in the day because i mean it's a new era you're getting 
muskets and gunpowder, you're using those more often. So things are changing and you kind of have to change with the time sometimes. Um, so a lot of this, what Robert Roger did is he used one more guerrilla type tactics where you'd attack and retreat or um, set up ambushes and stuff. And two, he prioritized picking smaller groups of men that are better trained. So he would prioritize instead of numbers, but skills kind of basically in essence for his expedition, uh, little mm, military expeditions or uh, there's a good word, uh, but I don't know. Um, and so they did a lot of stuff out in the, I guess above Western New York, all the way into Canada and stuff along with some of those lakes and area. And that's kind of where he was more notified. And he would also a lot of times um, build a tight-knit uh, relationship with his men. Like one time, I think he got imprisoned for some reason, and two separate groups of guys came to break him out <laughs> and they, like met each other on the way. That's when you know you've done something right as a leader, right? Yeah. Yeah, although he wasn't really like loved by everybody because of the more fringe stuff he did. Yeah. And a lot of times... Until they realized, like, oh, this guy's actually getting stuff done. A lot of times he kind of had to do it on his own. He's like, hey, we gotta, let's just go and uh, take out this outpost or trading post or fort. Yeah. Like, he did a lot of... Uh, he made his own plans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and not, not they didn't always work. Like, obviously, he's a human and plans fail or the enemy gets you. But, uh, yeah, so that's basically this. And Robert Roger has his rules for, I think it is... Robert Rogers Royal Rule. Rangers rules. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's that long, <laughs> but it has. It's just Robert Rogers rules for engagement or something, and okay. it's just like a list of. It was either eight or ten, but it was like, basically like what you think of like just standard like good practices like always. Uh, I wish I wrote them down, but I didn't. But they're just like not common sense, but like very close to common sense. And like nowadays, you're like, yeah, that's obviously you'd want to do that. Is that like um, uh, the Art of War by uh, Sun Tzu? I think very if I'm pronouncing that right. Not quite. It's more like a tactical handbook to reference quick when you're going out on a mission. Oh, okay. More, more. The Art of War more is like, more philosophical. No, this isn't philosophical. This is more practical. Um, okay. Funny thing. Um, so actually, Robert Roger and there's another guy who took over kind of for him that I didn't write down, who like uh, went more, spent more time doing stuff, but. Robert Rogers Royal Rangers went through a lot of iterations over the years. Um, they turned into the the King's Rangers or the Queen, and and that was one of the iterations, which was like a different band basically of whole structure. And then there was something about the Queen's something. There was like a lot of different. Got to change the iterations. name once there isn't yeah, king yeah. anymore. <laughs> queen yeah. instead. Yeah. So there's a lot of things, and funny enough. Uh, it wasn't. I don't think it was Robert Rogers, but the guy who took over for him asked uh, George Washington if he wanted them to fight for him in the American Revolution. But George Washington said no in fear of the fact that um, 
they would be um, traitors, basically, or spies. Yeah, and, and because they're, that yeah. wasn't the side they were yeah, supposed but, to but be the on. Guys, I, they must have had, he must have had good intentions because he was really upset. So he's just like, all right, fine, we're just going to join the British because like, this is combat <laughs> time. And he was upset, so he's kind of he like out of spite. Yeah, basically out of spite, which is funny. I was like, I wonder what would happen if they actually joined our side. <laughs> like That would have been cool. But uh, How much faster yeah. would the war have gotten cleaned up? Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I mean, that we kind of already fought like that more anyways. Yeah. And, and the involvement with the Rangers on the British side in the American Revolution was like small. It, it wasn't too small, but it was smaller. And it surprised me that they weren't fighting with us because I always imagined because nowadays in America we have the um, Army Rangers, which, uh, which is kind of I think where they drew the from the Royal Rangers. And they kind of trace their origins back to the Royal Rangers. So I thought it was funny that they didn't actually side, like they weren't fighting with us. <laughs> Which I was like, when yeah, the, when the chance humorous. they got, we turned them down. Yeah. So I just, I just thought that was a little humorous. So that, I didn't do, I didn't, I did a, a decent amount of research, but I didn't write a lot of stuff down, which was my downfall. So yeah. And I left you the perfect transition, Caleb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty close to perfect. I mean, I, I've, the next one is Navy SEALs. Um, I feel like the list wouldn't be complete without w at least one of like the modern major american i was gonna say of course of it's because we're american obviously that's why we have to have one of those on there i don't know what about the sas or the that's british right yeah the special, special air, service. air service yeah they, they were i did consider doing them oh there's another british one that i can't remember that's yeah, there's a, there was a Canadian one as well that caught my eye, and I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. I don't remember a ton about it, but there's a lot of it cool wasn't, special it forces. Wasn't a, it wasn't American, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> just I kidding. just I've been fascinated with the Navy SEALs, and I've watched like a lot of stuff on the Navy SEALs, so I guess I was just better prepared going into this. And they're they're a lot more iconic, especially in American culture, like. Come on, you gotta you gotta right, do I'll, the Navy I'll, SEALs, right? I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Alright, um, so these guys are a little easier to separate um the Spart than the Spartans. You can separate the mental training from the physical training a little bit more, but as with any in my opinion, as with any great military training, it's going to be both very physical and very mental. So, in order to qualify for the Navy SEALs, you have to be a pretty fit individual already. Like, I think the minimum pull-ups is 18 just to be considered. Um, and you're probably going to want to do more like 22 or something crazy. Um, which is a lot of, a lot of physical um, just ability that you have to have as a base level just to qualify. And then there's a lot of swimming that you have to be able to do just you have to be a pretty good swimmer in, in a couple different areas like you have to do a couple different distances of swimming to qualify as well i don't remember the distances off the top of my head but and then once you qualify you get to go to buds um buds is i, I don't know how long it is but i think it's like it's like 14 weeks or something crazy um which is basically basic training except for the Navy SEALs. So it's going to be ramped up to the next level. And 
we have the iconic um, Hell Week, which we get out of Buds. That's just a part of the Buds training. I don't know. I think it's like the fourth week or something like that. Don't quote me on that. But it's pretty early on. Um, so you're going to get a lot of people dropping out in Hell Week. This is just constant, nonstop, very physical, grueling training. Like you see the videos of them doing like the reps with the logs, holding them above their head or doing sit-ups with the logs and stuff. Um, rolling in the sand. Um, they do drills with their boats as well like the little um, smaller boats, but I guess they're still pretty heavy from what I've heard. Um, so there's all of that, and the, you're doing all of this for nonstop with your team that you're with. I think it's a team of six or seven guys, maybe eight, uh, like, like less than a dozen guys, and you're basically doing this nonstop for a whole week. You get short short little breaks where you're doing like calisthenics or something basic <laughs> you get to like run on your time off or something oh, yeah. and then you get like in the middle of the week i think it's like wednesday sometime you get four hours of sleep for the whole week and from what i've heard i don't remember who it was maybe it was from jocko willink or david goggins i've listened to a lot of their stuff former navy seals both of them um, but basically, when they were developing the program, the the medical experts at the time had said, you can't work people like this for a whole week straight without literally just killing them. So you're going to have to give them a slight bit of sleep in the middle. So they're like, ah, okay, <laughs> four hours, four <laughs> hours <you> rest. <laughs> um, and yeah, so... From what I've heard, you get as basically as much food as you want when you can eat, but they really take the sleep away from you. Um, so <laughs> that would be very hard because sleep is one of my biggest weaknesses. Yeah, same. Like that would kill me so bad. Yeah, uh, I would just I would probably just fall asleep doing something. I yeah, and you get a lot of people dropping out. Like it. This is like to weed weeding, out yeah. all the the people who are not the top of the top in mental toughness and if you aren't at the top of the top you will become that or you will just have to drop out and be forced to um go and do something else for the navy so um all of that mental training we get into physical training um basically their navy seals are going to be extremely competent in every environment like that's what seal means it's sea, air, and land. Um, so they're going to be, unlike a lot of forces, they're going to be very at home in the water and jumping out of helicopters and on the land as well. Um, so they're going to be trained in basically every environment that they could be trained in, um, which is useful because they're at the top of the top. So basically they're a phone call away from going and rescuing like people from pirates or doing a anti-terrorist mission or something crazy like that so their environment they they're trained in everything and also um they're trained in a bunch of different weapons like all the standard um rifles and small arms um they're all gonna know how to assemble disassemble they're gonna know the ins and outs what ammunition um 
everything about all the different weapons of whatever um, militaries are going to be involved with any conflict at the time pretty much so <laughs> part of their training i think this is towards the end of buds but i might i might be wrong about that but sometime in their training they just have a pile of random gun parts on a table and they have to assemble all the different rifles from just a pile of parts and they oh, have to know cool. well know this spring goes with this one and this um piece like goes with this Legos, one. Legos, but with guns. Exactly. <laughs> so they know the ins and outs of all the different weapons. Um, there's all a that, lot more all, I could all say. All that but... training wasted to one bullet to the head. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny, but... <laughs> I mean, that is what war is. It's yeah. not always fair. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. The best you can do is optimize your chances, and Which that's is, what being the best is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. All right, well, Caleb, I have uh, like three more left to go. Do you <laughs> do, do it? Do it. Do, all right, all right. So, uh, I know uh, we kind of went timelined into. Um, Are we are we going to flashback? Yeah, we're gonna go back. I didn't really uh, structure this very well for talking about them, but I have two uh, light. A little bit of a light on two so i don't have a lot on vikings but I'll, I'll hit a little bit on vikings so from my little research that i did i they were saying that vikings weren't really the crazy warriors that we think of as today's culture so they were but they weren't <clears throat> one of the things is because they lived in the harsh condition and climate of I think scandinavia which is pretty north and it's like always cold they <clears throat> were mostly a lot of the time pretty not always but they quite malnourished like they weren't these big beefy muscly guys that you think of when you think of a viking maybe like a few but not yeah many. yeah maybe a few but not not all of them mm. that's kind of been like a legend more or less that's gonna mess um, with my head <laughs> yeah i know i know that's what i thought and that's because they had to they they had to be full-time farmers they would because the climate was terrible they would um they wouldn't their all any of their livestock when it came to the winter they'd kill it off and use it for meat and then get new stuff for like probably early spring and then raise it back up because it would just there's no way they could feed the livestock over winter so it's more useful as meat um one thing that was different about the vikings is they were like the almost only um, group of people that used axes as one of their main weapons so like you don't they say you don't really see that anywhere else so that is true they were also really good sailors because of their conditions like they invented I don't know what it's called but there's like a kite um, there's an extra rope <laughs> maybe it's called a kite but um, it basically allows you to kind of sail in a different direction even with a sail for the wind like a sailboat but it like does something I, I have no clue how it works but it does something and allows you to have more sailing options basically plus they had rowing they could row so they were really good sailors because they needed to go and get new uh, resources and stuff whether by trade or by other means yes <laughs> yes it's true but they said normally if they're out raiding like they're doing good like their village or place is like thriving already like normally that's like an extracurricular activity you say oh we're fine we're set let's take all the good men and leave like <laughs> go on a vacation yeah yeah basically so like that's so that's why it's not all as common as you think like of course it happens and of course i'm sure there's plenty of groups like 
I think it was like the what is his name Eric like the Viking Leaf guy Eric yeah yeah who's famous I'm sure they were probably all big and muscly because they were probably like the top dogs of their like they were doing good like I'm not saying that it's not possible but I'm saying most of it wasn't as glor- glorious as you think um, and they were actually notes of the famous Viking rage or berserkers where they would set themselves into a trance and just go on a killing spree. That's an actual thing. Yes, it is. I know, which was so surprising to me. There, there is actually evidence of, it's basically like, um, almost like self hypnoticizing. What's a psychot? I want to do like a study on the brain. Like, yeah, it's crazy. So one is they would, um, do like kind of like not a dance, but like a, chant and like uh get themselves into a mental state before battle they would even like attack each other and stuff or like uh even sometimes kill other <laughs> other <laughs> warriors i guess oh, man. um yeah and they and like overdoing this repeatedly they like build up their it was basically like mental training like crazy mental training where it's basically like if you have a lot of suffering at the end of your suffering, it's going to mean less to you because you've gone through so much, like you're hardened to it basically. So that's basically what they're doing. They're almost like hardening their mental and physical or doling them. Maybe doling them is the right sense. So then when they get out there, they're really in a battle rage. So they feel less because they're so used to it. And like, it's not as cognitive and they're just like insane. So like, I was so surprised. I was like, Oh, this is actually a thing that, some of them had yeah it doesn't sound like it's real you know yeah not at all so i was like oh okay and <laughs> and a lot of their um gear was more sc- scrappy as far as s- scrapped together like they wouldn't they would pretty much get their hands on whatever uh weapon or thing they could <laughs> and they didn't have the iconic helmets yes they didn't horns, have the horn right? tablets yep that's right that was something i, I wonder said, where no that came tablets. from like who who what <sighs> artist like started painting yeah, like, vikings ooh, with, with these horns on the helmets that like is it, so true they say it's because of like maybe they're, the, they're gods? it was an intimidation factor oh. but uh, like as far as we know there isn't historical backing for i was it. thinking it was kind of like somewhat originated from the like the gods that they oh maybe i'm not familiar with I'm, gods, I'm, really. I'm not either but I think some of them are pretty wild. <laughs> um, the next one I don't have a lot on that I'll briefly touch is the knight. Um, obviously, there's so many different knights, and like you're like, why are you talking about knights? Like they're kind of commonplace, which yes they are, but they're also pretty um, pretty intense. I mean, they're actually yes and no. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It really depends. Depends on, on the knight, right? Yeah, it depends on the knight, and it depends on the period or what was going on then. Like that's a lot of answers for all these. Like well, except. Well, true. For the ones that aren't like don't have like yes. standardized training, right, yeah. then it's gonna so apply like Spartans a and Navy SEALs, they're like, they're always gonna be at that level. But like something like the knight or even the samurai, in the non in the peacetime, they were like artists and like they took up like government jobs basically because they had nothing to do. So obviously they wouldn't be as warrior like in that yeah. time period. Um, so yeah, it really depends. So at seven they're a page, and at fourteen they're a squire. Mm. I think they both like are an assistant to a knight, and kind of train under them. I thought a page was like a like a messenger more so even. Uh, I think it depends on what. I guess it. I think it depends on what type. But like at one level they they do less, and then the next like when they're a squire they do more. Yeah. So, yep. I I guess I should have wrote down what a page specifically does, but. 
Uh, at age 21, they can be knighted, which is that ceremony where you see them do the two, the sword on the shoulders. It, there's a name for it, which I wrote down, but I know it's not the right selling, so I won't be able to s s say it right. It's not, it's not a, it's like an acolyte or a ciliate, I think, is no, the I name for it. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, I know. I didn't either. But that's like the proper term for when you get knighted, basically. And that's uh, an actual thing, which I thought was pretty cool. I was like, oh, that's cool. It has an actual term that nobody uses, <laughs> <laughs> which is a little bit humorous. But uh, and obviously, they have the famous chivalry code, which you picture the knights to have, which some a lot of sources are saying that really the knights in, in realisticness aren't very so chivalrous. Like that's just like the golden standard to live up to. But you know, um, if you're not, if your culture isn't uh, bound to honor more like the Japanese culture was, you, you have less motive and want to keep this code of chivalry, yes. so to speak. Yeah. So really it was more like uh, the golden standard that nobody almost ever kept. I'm sure there's instances of good knights and chivalrous acts and stuff but normally it wasn't the most common thing like where as samurai you'd think oh because of their code is more common and that did stand to be true where the outliers were more the bad ones but this is the outliers are more the good ones just and it's and it's a bunch of like cultural differences more or less but so a lot of times are pretty pretty savage and what would happen is you'd have a kingdom they would conquer different pieces of land and they'd make them as their fiefs and the fiefs would then basically conscript and kind of hire different knights and the best way to get at somebody else's fiefs is to kill their peasants because that's like where all the <laughs> that's the populace of um where the resources are coming from they're the farmers they're mm -hmm. the ones who are paying taxes so the best way to um really get out a different kingdom or a different fief if it's like you wanted to get them is to just go and attack their peasants one that's their weakest they're not trained soldiers and it hurts them economically the most which is kind of why they're pretty savage a lot of times it's like an age of empires yes exactly that's villagers. what i was thinking like you just go for the resource gatherers yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny i was like hmm good strategy i guess <laughs> unfortunate though for the so, yeah, that's why they say living in the Middle Ages is, like, a dangerous time because that's part of it. You're kind of constantly getting attacked. And uh, obviously it depends on time period and where you are and what kind of wars or conflicts were going on. But a lot of times the knights were kind of corrupt and they were, they were, like, a higher class, kind of like the samurai, but maybe not that high. But they were corrupt, and when there was actual wars or conflicts, like bigger ones, they would sometimes... I didn't write it down, but they would pay money to not go i have heard of uh, that, there's yeah. a name for it and they like that would basically be like here just hire foot soldiers instead with this money kind of like bribing them to just stay and be fat so and a lot of them were <laughs> like that so yeah, i mean it's hit and miss with the night which is kind of sad but it is what it is and then the, the last one i have we're going all the way back to japan and if you can guess it it's gonna be the ninja oh <laughs> classic classic which is this is such the most controversial one. This is kind of like, I don't know what I would equate it to in the ones we, we've said, but it's the more popularized one from media and like culture, like modern culture making it kind of what it's not. Yeah. So a little bit I of, don't know what a ninja actually is. Yeah, exactly. And they're depicted as like these 
fully black robed people and some people say oh they didn't really exist and some people said yeah they did but it's really hard to say um so technically the word ninja is a popular word that's not even the terminology they would use back then they would use what's called a shinobi which is just basically like something about i'm not good at japanese so i don't know but it's basically saying like probably something stealthy <laughs> i'd okay. have to imagine okay. but so and that's um what they were really called and they would basically i'm not sure if this term this must have been a more recent term or it's not but their martial arts is referred to as ninjutsu which is yeah interesting yeah. so i'm not sure if that's more more recent but they were basically like the stealthy people of the stealthy ones and they would do a lot of spying they wouldn't actually do a lot of assassination they could but it was more they were more the spies and like information gatherers um, the shinobi could have been samurai who just had sent onto a mission to say, hey, go out and gather information. Um, two clans uh, really produced like quality shinobi, basically. Like they were trained in the arts of like evasion and sneaking around, um, which is the Aiga and the Kuga, uh, Koga, Kuga. I don't know what letter I wrote down. Clans, which were close together, and they were like deep in the woods. Uh, I think okay. near, near some mountain or something. And obvious, I mean, you, you can justify that Shinobi existed because of the Nightingale floors, which is when they had castles, they built floors with metal brackets underneath them. So some of the floorboards, when you stepped on them, they would creak. So it would make it very hard to sneak on them, basically, because you didn't know which floorboard would creak. So hmm. that's evidence of, yeah, these, these guys actually existed. But I think there's just a lot of misconceptions of what they really were. And they were, they were because of the culture in Japan, they were kind of viewed as, like, not very honorable because they were sneaking around and they weren't, like, confronting their <laughs> enemy, like, yeah. head on. And not just, exactly yes. noble. Yeah, exactly. So it's, like, a lot of weirdness you have to read, weed, weed through, not read through. Well read through too possibly read possibly as well read yeah. so yeah that's pretty much all I had I mean that I, I enjoyed researching and I know some of it was hit and miss on how good the research was I feel uh, like we did a decent job at some of them at least yeah like, I think you'd know a little bit more than you might have when you came into it yeah if you knew all this stuff about how everything <laughs> we both said then you've done you've mm -hmm. done your homework yeah or, or how accurate it is that's another question that we don't address yeah <laughs> um do you want to theorize that who would win in different instances we or, we can we right, can right. try out right. few, who should I we guess. who should we pit against that's the real question oh there's wait let me, i have a list that i can bring up of my guys um well let's not do the navy seals against anybody no no i was thinking we can put them against we could just do like hand to hand stuff. Hand to hand versus the Romans. Yeah, or or like, how would they do? Yeah, that would be interesting. Cause, ooh, Roman. Oh, let's go Roman centurion versus Navy Seal. No. Let's just firearms say, no firearms. <laughs> let's just say hand to hand combat and like basic, uh, level playing playing field. Like starting from the same. The the seal isn't wearing like body armor. Yeah, 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 and and the guy isn't just, the Roman soldier isn't like come back from a campaign all almost dead <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the romans also they like marched 20 miles every morning or something like that i heard honestly i hate to say it but i want to give this one to the roman centurion and i'll give my reasoning one 
they did a lot of more hand-to-hand combat back in the day because that was like their secondary weapon for pretty much yes it may not have been as sophisticated but it is definitely battle tested and battle done because there was a lot of battle going down then um two their bodies may have been a little more hardened because of just the conditions of what the whole um living back then was like they had harder day by day yes yes so that's that's what i'm gonna say and i'm just gonna stick to it what about you caleb i mean give some reasoning too behind it i originally thought the roman centurion would win just because of like the reasons that you were saying but I, I think actually the Modern Navy <laughs> SEAL would win. And I hate to do this because the people who are like all 100% pro MMA and it's like, oh, MMA is the best because it takes the best of every martial art and kind of boils it all down into one. And MMA, it like takes all the art out of most everything, in my <laughs> opinion. It just looks really ugly from a martial artist standpoint. But I think there's a lot of practical things that the Navy SEALs are taught. Like, they're going to be brutally practical. And also, they're going to be trained in jiu-jitsu a lot. So oh, that's true. that was what broke the tie for me. Is I didn't think about that. All they have to do is take the fight to the ground, and then they're going to be a pretty clear favorite, yeah, I would say. I mean, it's hard to say how much they did wrestling back in the day, though. Yeah. It's true. Like, it, it would be so interesting to actually be able to do it just to, yeah. just in the ground fighting, just in the ground fighting yeah. to see what would happen. Yes, definitely. But. All right. So it, I, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll never know. But that's fun theorizing. Do you want to do it? All right, I want to do another one. Let's pit the Spartans against, let's do a Spartan against the Samurai. That seems pretty interesting. Uh, with weapons or? Yeah, let's do full loadout. Yeah, full gear. that makes sense. Um. I'm I'm gonna say the Spartan is gonna have the clear disadvantage right off the bat because they're gonna be alone. I thought and, the same thing. Like their the shield have, isn't gonna do them yes. that much good. The only they I think their saving grace is the fact that they have been training like physical training. Yeah. Basically all their life. More so than the samurai. Yeah. Like the samurai does do a lot of training, but I don't. As far as I could tell, I don't think it was like as body training as the. I don't know. I guess. I don't know what the right word would be, but as um, mind and your body and like very all the time, kind of like how they're when they go off to war, it's more of a vacation. <laughs> like uh, the samurai do training does, is very intense. Yeah, but the samurai doesn't not do intensive training, but it's just definitely to a lesser degree. Um, so definitely the Spartans. Oh, fun fact about the Spartans: um, their capes were red, so that when they were bleeding, it was harder to tell. And yeah, they did wear capes, I've red capes, that, <laughs> which is kind of funny and cool. I'm not a fan of capes just because they aren't practical, but that's if a cool they reason. had any practical reason, <laughs> that would be it. The Spartans Wait, found no, it. No, no, no. The, they the next, found it. The next practical reason of the cape is that was basically all they had to bring with them because they used it as their blanket at night. Like that's all they yeah, did. Like yeah. when they went to bed, they were just like go on the ground and use their cape as like a blanket, basically. So practical, yes. If you're trained in the ways of the cape. <laughs> yeah. Having, like, superheroes with capes and stuff, that's just for show. That is not my style, though. <laughs> but the the Spartans, they, they, really they were those. brutally practical. That's kind of funny, though. Found Honestly. a way to even make the cape okay. <laughs> Usable. Okay, let's go back to the debate. Um, oh, this is so difficult. 
as far as who would end up winning. Are they each full armor as well? Yes, I'm going to say each and full armor. And their armor is going to be pretty similar. Yeah, they're pretty common. In the end. In the end. I think I think in the end, I'm going to side with the samurai. Uh, and why is this? Uh, they're bows. They're long-range weapon. Although the, the But the Spartans have shields. Oh, this is so hard to think <laughs> of. Um, because on it... Okay. Samurai didn't normally use their swords that much. They were more for show from research. So, the, I mean, yes, they were used, but they were mostly ornamental and, like, tool. So, like, all the mythic katana stuff is mostly junk. I oh, mean, it's so sad. <laughs> it is sad. It's, it's mostly popularized by pop media i guess i don't know media well it, the samurai swords are super cool in themselves yeah so. no they're cool yeah and, and they're definitely unique and they're strong and good but they weren't as and the, like they, they did have use like they trained in the there's a name for it but the, basically the one motion beheading which is like one strike and you just like behead your enemy like that like a yeah, fast a, a, a quick a quick little sword for a that. quick draw basically is what they were training in okay yeah where it would like like the most intense version is they would draw it and then sheath it like af right after, like as one smooth motion basically. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's a weird cool. thing to train, but I'll give them style points for that if you could pull that off. Yeah, and uh, it was a legit thing, and like like the unique thing about the katana was the fact that the front the, fr uh, the front was hard steel and then the back was softer steel like oh, it wasn't okay. as hardened to such a degree and i think like after you fold the steel like four times it kind of isn't very useful to fold it <laughs> anymore and fun fact they would straighten their katanas during peacetime because they thought it looked cooler even though if you straighten <laughs> your katana it basically makes it useless which i thought was sad because i like the look of a straight katana better than a curved one personally <laughs> then i was like oh i wish the straight ones were useful too because they're i think they're just cooler looking for some reason it's because i like my uh european swords too um but not the scimitars or the scimitars i know i said that wrong um but another thing about the samurai is they were required to wear their swords at all times well i don't think it while sleeping but like out in public and stuff huh. and that was like their mark of a samurai and it was supposed um and they, they got annoyed with it during the peacetime because it was like, you have to wear it. Like, imagine wearing a sword to, like, a day job or, like, a desk job. It's kind of annoying and gets in the way. Uh, yeah. Going back to... Yeah, sorry. I kind of just derailed that. I... It's so difficult. Honestly, I'm just going to go with the Spartan. I'm going to root for the Spartan just because of their whole, their whole culture, honestly. I agree. Like, their weapons and armor are going to be relatively similar. But at the end of the day, I think the Spartans just trained way harder. Yeah. So, and they were training specifically for agility, which I don't hear a lot about with samurai. Like, they're training the weapons specifically. Okay, the samurai are pretty good because a lot of their sword play was a lot of, like, weird motions. Like, so... Okay, so they did do some of that. Yeah, and their armor kind of helped them with the being able to not be clunky like a standard knight so i feel like they're pretty evenly matched strangely yeah but i don't know i think the spartan just wins it because they train more time in hours like just that's their life yeah yeah i think i'll go with that 
All right, I think I think that'll be it for this podcast. That was really fun. I I really liked this. That um, was a fun one, yeah. <laughs> I like doing the research, even though, I mean, I could have gone a little more in depth, but it also would have took more time to say it all. <laughs> um, but I want to thank Caleb for editing these episodes, and also um, always remember to do your own research. Don't quote us because that is unfortunate. Uh, I would be likely to call you a fool. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, I mean, take it at your own as uh, take it as you will. But I mean, if you're interested in something, go ahead and research it, and you find out something cool about that thing. Like you can say, hey, did you know that some samurai actually trained with the gun? They'd be, somebody would be like, what, really? I don't know about that. And you say, yeah, it's true. That in the later days, they were they know how to use a musket. So that's yeah. pretty cool. All right. Um, thank you so much for listening to the episode and hopefully we kind of wet your appetite a little bit. Is oh, that the right? That sounds bad. <laughs> hopefully for, for just, a kind of learning about more of this kind of stuff. If you're interested in it, if not, I hope you tuned out a long time ago. Yes. If you if you made it this far, then you're either fool or great. <laughs> uh, something <laughs> open-minded for sure. Yes. But anyways, we will catch you all in two weeks. See you next time. Bye.